Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Help TVO create a better world through the power of learning. Visit TVO.org and make a tax-deductible donation today. When Canadian media theorist and futurist Marshall McLuhan wrote his most influential works in the 1960s, it's hard to imagine he really envisioned our world as it is in all its technological and social media complexity. Still, his notion that the medium is the message endures and even invites us to consider how the evolution of the media ecosystem has rippled across and perhaps even shaped subsequent generations. With us now on whether the avalanche of media makes us better informed than we were in the past, let's welcome, in order of generational seniority, from the baby boomers, Sue Ann Kelman, career journalist and professor of journalism now retired. From Generation X, Paolo Granata, associate professor of book and media studies at the University of St. Michael's College in the University of Toronto. From the millennial generation, Noor Malik, a marketing professional. And from Gen Z, TikTok content creator Hazel Thayer, who joins us from the left coast in Victoria, British Columbia. And it is wonderful to have you three here in our studio. Hazel, thanks for joining us out in BC. I want to start by taking a look. We're going to go through four different generations here and take a look at how these different generations consume media today. I'm going to take you through a bunch of numbers here, so hang in there. We're going to go through. Sheldon, let's put this up here. We're going to look at generations from 18 to 29, 30 to 49, 50 to 64, and then age 65 plus. Here's how they consume television. 18 to 29-year-olds, not so much, right? Only 44%. But as we go down, increasing in the ages, 55% for the next generation, 74% for the next. And if you're 65 plus, 85% of you still watch television as a part of your media diet. How about radio? Again, the youngest generation, only 35%. Next down, 48%. Next, age 50 to 64, 55%. Age 65 plus, 46%. Print. If you're young, print is really not much of a feature of your life anymore, or if it ever was. 21% consume it. Age 30 to 49, 27%. 50 to 64, 35%. This is newspapers, magazines, actually holding them in your hands. 65 plus, still half the people at 65 plus have print as an aspect of their lives. And how about the internet? Well, here we go, the digital natives. 18 to 29, 91% consume news on the internet. 30 to 49 year olds, 88%. 50 to 64 year olds, a little less, 78%. And for 65 plus, the seniors, only two thirds. Let's figure out at this table, virtual and actual, how you got into following the news in the first place. Sue Ann, take us back. How did it start? Well, we got the Telegram and the Star at home. Not the, the Telegram Globe. is a Toronto newspaper. Mm, yes, that yes. It has not existed for 50 years. <laughs> yes, you exactly. Should, yeah. I, well, I thought you'd get the reference. Um, <laughs> I don't think that I really paid much attention to anything except the cartoons until JFK was assassinated. Mm. And then suddenly everyone I was in junior high school with started following the news. How did you get into following the news? Well, it's a core memory for me, actually. My dad returning home from work at the hospital, and we would all gather together as a family and eat dinner and watch the evening news on television. Hmm. 
Paolo, how about you? Well, I got the news along with meals. So literally our media diet was uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So following the news uh, during the meals. Media was part of the diet. Absolutely. I get you. Hazel, how about you? Uh, I think far before I sought out news, I would just see it on social media, see it being shared. Uh, and I don't believe I started seeking out news until around 2016. And how old were you at that time? Hmm, about 19, I think. 19 years old. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. Let's do the follow-up question. Sue Ann, how have your media habits changed since it started? Well, we still get one newspaper. I won't say which one. I get two, uh, two others, two Americans, plus The Guardian online. I read way more online than I used to. And also, I find that TV news is a bit slow for me um, with the set format. So more and more, I'm getting that online, too, so that I can skip some stories. Huh. So you don't actually watch very much news on television anymore. It's on all the time. My husband is addicted. Yeah. But I'm finding it a slow and inefficient way of getting news. Current affairs is different, but not news. Interesting. Okay. How have your media habits changed with time? Yeah, I think starting off more with reading the newspaper and then gradually moving into the internet. So even with the internet, it's using more so news websites and then a combination of various social media to get my information. Do you get a newspaper delivered to your home? No, I don't. No kidding. I was kind of, it was a facetious <laughs> question in a way. Yeah. Paolo, how about you? Well, I completed that transition of my generation from legacy media to digital media. So nowadays I do rely on social media and um, I do look at the news uh, and TV with the, let's say, the professor perspective. So to really look at uh, what's going on in the legacy media. But my media diet is more uh, closer now to the generation of my students. Do you get a newspaper delivered to your home? I used to when I was a child. <laughs> I used to when I was a child. <laughs> with okay. my family. Fabulous. Okay. Hazel, how about you? Um, I have tried to avoid getting most of my news from social media, even though it is so easy. Uh, I would say that lately my habit has changed uh, to getting news from news websites directly and from newsletters direct from journalists, which is a fun, uh, a fun feature of the Internet nowadays. Hazel, I'm not even going to ask you if you get a newspaper delivered to your home because I know what the answer is. I know she's shaking her head. <laughs> Here's how I want to show folks how Hazel does her thing. Um, okay, what are we going to do here? This is TikTok. Here's what a TikTok creator does. It's a clip of Hazel explaining the individual economics of carbon taxes while playing her favorite game. Okay? Are we with me here? Sheldon, roll it if you would. We have a carbon tax, right? And the point of the carbon tax is not for the government to make money. The point of the carbon tax, thank you, is to, um, you know, prevent people from polluting, of, of course. And so to avoid this having any unnecessary financial burden on just regular people, instead of keeping the money, it's revenue neutral, which just means, well, that they split it up evenly and send it back to people's bank accounts. So most people will make money off of Canada's carbon tax. It should be called a dividend. Um, and, you know, only the biggest polluters will actually lose out on the money. Um, I think that rather than being directly sent to our bank accounts, it should be handed out via money guns so everybody knows what it's for and can't get mad about the carbon tax. But... That's just my opinion. Anyway, back to Zelda. <laughs> I gotta tell you, you are fantastic. That is a that is a tremendous talent you just demonstrated there. <laughs> Never mind conveying all that information about the carbon tax, but while playing a video game, you were doing it. That's uh, astonishing. 
You have 120,000 followers and 3.5 million likes on your TikTok account. So let's figure that out. Who are your followers? Um, I, I did check it out and um, my followers seem to be generally in the 25 to 32 range. Actually, of course, I get um, plenty of Gen Zs as well. Um, but for TikTok anyway, my audience use a little bit older, which I guess means that um, more than just Gen Z are on TikTok. And why do you think they follow you? Um, I think, ooh, I think that I try to combine, um, well, I guess you just saw, I think I try to combine um, facts about economics and climate with humor as much as possible uh, because it can be a very dry topic. And to confirm, you were not reading that stuff that you were saying to camera, correct? It took quite a few takes. Yeah, but still, that's a heck of an achievement. Well done. I was deeply impressed when I saw that. Thank you. Now, you and your fellow millennials, I know, like to think of yourselves as up-to-date people, au courant as it comes to the news. How important is that aspect of your generation's uh, view of itself? Yeah, I think it's fairly important. I think we've all grown up in a time where we've lived through some major events, both in the United States and Canada, as well as the COVID um, pandemic, which we've all kind of survived through for the last few years. So I think our absorption of news has become almost heightened to a perspective. So yeah, it's very important. What's the major international event of your life? Made, I, I would say it would be COVID-19. I think that's really? the major the major thing because it had so many impacts to the way that we live and how much our work transformed. Like, for example, I used to be working in person five days a week, commuting downtown Toronto, and now I've been rem working remotely for the last three years. So that's a pretty major impact mm. on my life personally. What year were you born? 1990. So you were 11 for 9-11. Yes, I was. Which is a fairly impressionable age. And it, I, it is. So not 9-11, though. Not 9-11, just because I was younger when that happened. So the direct impacts to me were less, whereas now in my life, the impact that COVID-19 has had, I think, is more palpable on a daily basis for me. Okay. Paolo, among many things, you are a Marshall McLuhan scholar. And McLuhan, as we said in the intro, coined that famous phrase, the medium is the message. How do you think that expression applies to what we're talking about here? Well, to put it simple, the medium is a message means that uh, content is important, but the context makes a difference. And now uh, uh, we live in a different context and the context uh, uh, shapes uh, the way we perceive reality, the way we perceive the world around us, the way we undertake our current affairs. Uh, and so looking through different generations, uh, media played a different role. And I see this difference. Uh, I see myself as, raised with the TV, like a babysitter, right? Mm -hmm. and, and TV was a kind of uh, detaching medium because I was in front of the TV, right? My, my parents yelling, oh, you're in front of the TV all the time. Now, well, my students, uh, younger generation said, I'm not in front of social media, I'm on social media. Mm. I'm on Facebook, on Instagram. That's a huge of a difference. What, being does that, in front. what does that convey, the difference in that preposition? Convey that uh, for my generation, uh, media were tools, services, channels to get informed, to get engaged. For this generation, for the younger generation, it's a world they live in, within which they live. So the media are the environments within which they live. It's a fundamental uh, distinction. So that's why in front or on, well, I won't say I'm on TV, right? Except, my, well, maybe they you are. can say that <laughs> you are on TV all the time, mm. but we don't say so, right? Mm. They are 
in on the media. Gotcha. Well, we, we showed the comparison, Sue Ann, earlier between those who consume television, radio, print, and internet, and the differences among the generation. Does the knowledge of what's happening in our world depend on which of those four platforms you're in, on, or in front of? Absolutely not. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot. I lectured, uh, after I retired, I lectured on fake news several times until it became too depressing. And what I have to acknowledge is people in my generation watching TV and reading the printed news of their choice can go just as wrong on total misinformation as any gener generation Z person. Hmm. Uh, it is your ability to evaluate information, your willingness to look at a wide variety of information instead of tailoring it to your own prejudices. I know that there's a lot of concern, which I share, that the attention span goes down when, when people are on social media all mm -hmm. the time. And I did see that when I was teaching. But what I see in my generation are an awful lot of anger addicts watching the TV and yelling at it all day <laughs> long. And they are no more informed than someone who is only looking at Facebook. The difference it, is when they're yelling at the TV, only they are hearing it. When they're yelling it on Twitter, thousands of other people are hearing it. That is absolutely true. But you can have, look, the mainstream media, say, 100 years ago, was every bit as biased as Fox News. What I ask people to look for is, is there any accountability? If this is completely false, is someone going to have to pay for it? But of course, most people don't want to listen even to that. I guess what I would like to say is misinformation is available across all platforms. Mm. <laughs> Hazel, let me get you on that. Do you think your generation, uh, let me put it this way. We baby boomers, I think, because we grew up with television news, tend to prize it as a more reputable source of information than, say, most of what you might find on the Internet. Now, of course, you know, brands are brands at the end of the day. But d does your generation have that same, does it have differing views of the reliability of the different media platforms? I, I will say that I personally am held accountable by the people who follow me. Like I am expected to report my sources, uh, check, check my facts. And when I'm incorrect, people will tell me. And so I think I think that at least among the Gen Z, Gen Z audience that I have, um, there's a lot more they're a lot more credulous of the news that they consume. Uh, I think it's because we all grew up watching Mythbusters. <laughs> okay. Noor, how about for you? Does something that you see on the television news delivered by a stentoriously voiced anchor behind a desk have more credibility for you than something you might read on the internet? You know, not necessarily. I think a big part of the distinction is really the sources that you are getting it from. Because even within social media, we have to remember that so many brands and organizations have presence there. So mm -hmm. you'll be able to find CBC, CTV, um, NPR, for example. So there are credible news sources that you'll see on social media. The other thing we have to be aware of with social media is also that there are algorithms that are designed to show you more of what you're responding to. So if you're going down a rabbit hole, you will go further down that rabbit hole because it's been designed to keep your attention focused on that for that long. Okay, I don't think we're going down a rabbit hole here, but I wanna see more of Hazel. Uh, shall we take a look at another clip? Sheldon, if you would, let's roll this next one. You know what simply boggles my brain about the youths these days? Like you, we, we, I'm technically Gen Z. We grew up on the internet, right? On the World Wide Web. Can't do a Google search. What? You don't know how to Google. Like, I can't believe it. I'll be, I'll be posting things on, or I'll be referencing things in a video of mine, and there'll be all these comments being like, how can I find that? 
I don't know, maybe on the magical machine on every device that has like a compendium of all human knowledge. Maybe if you type it in there, it might come up. Okay, is there a sense, Hazel, that your generation, because it's mistrustful of authority and it doesn't believe in objectivity as much as, say, my generation does and did, uh, you're engaged in very much fact-checking to make sure you don't fall into disinformation? That's the gist of the argument. Is it true? Um, I, I think at least from the corner of the internet that I am on, there is a lot of fact-checking and a lot of debunking. For example, on like major news media, you don't see a lot of videos or um, news articles about debunking other news articles, whereas you see that all the time online. Um, so, but yeah, we, we, we do love to fact check. Um, and as for that video, yes, I think more people need to learn to Google. (laughs) Right. Paolo, we are going to Ottawa this weekend to interview Samantha B who has made a fantastic, originally from Toronto and she's made a fantastic career for herself, um, with comedy, not so much making fun of the news, but using comedy in some respects to deliver an important news message. What do you make of this phenomenon? And of course, she's one of many people who are doing this. What do you make of this phenomenon of turning the news into comedy as a way of making a different point? Yeah, it turns into the idea that news is entertainment. And among many other platforms, so particularly new generations are accustomed to pay for high quality contents in the streaming platforms. And so news become part of this uh, spectacle. So the society, the spectacle, where even news again become, uh, becomes entertainment. And so they are even uh, willing to pay for this kind of entertainment if there is a high quality, well-engaged uh, and uh, well, uh, well-received uh, content in this kind. Hey, so you do that, right? I mean, comedy is all part of your shtick, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot of what I talk about would would not be very well received or, you know, listened to if I didn't add a little bit of comedy to it. Is The Daily Show nor part of your daily content? It used to be for quite some time, actually, but I think the host changes shifted it up for me a little bit. So without Jon Stewart, it's not the same. It's not the same. You're right. It's Mm. not the same. (laughs) They're getting a new guy now, right? Trevor Noah's gone? Who's the new guy? He's gone. I don't know who the new guy is. I don't know who the new guy is either. It's available as a gig. (laughs) Uh, what are you looking at me for? I got a gig. Anyway, at least I think I do. Okay. Let's, um, let's move on to this. Sue Ann, a recent American survey suggests 40% of Gen Z, or Z, whichever, and millennials seek out news, while 60% bump into it. How well informed was the average boomer four or five decades ago? Four or five decades ago, I think boomers were better informed than young people. Now, there were fewer forms of entertainment, Mm -hmm. and it was cool in most circles to know something about politics. That just from my teaching, which is where I was teaching younger people, obviously news, and these were journalism students, was not nearly as big a factor in their lives. I think part of it may have been to do with the sense that they weren't going to be able to influence it so much. Mm. And if I were 20 now looking at the world, I I would feel very powerless, which might cut down on my interest in news. Back in the 60s, we thought we were going to take over the world and change everything, which made the news more interesting. Well, you kind of did, didn't you? Yeah. We didn't do such a good job of it, but yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, Just uh, by way of information, you used to teach at what was then called Ryerson University. You taught journalism. And I'm curious, do you think we, as a society, the big we, were better served 
when there were three American networks only, ABC, CBS, NBC. It was, you know, Huntley and Brinkley, and it was Peter Jennings, and it was, okay, just those. Were we better served Cronkite in that universe or better served today? I can't say that we were better served then. I would love to be able to say it, but it's not true. The news that we received, which we thought was a, you know, an enormous view, a full view, was in fact very narrow. And some of it mistaken because we were more trustful of governments in those hmm. days. Uh, you have a much wider range of information and views. Now, unfortunately, much of it is made up and is nonsense. Uh, if you watch Russian TV, RT, which is harder to get now than it was, it's fascinating what they get away with. But on the other hand, more groups are represented. There are more stories, but you really have to seek them out. We didn't hear much about parts of the world then because no one was interested. We're not hearing, if you're mainstream media, there are parts of the world you're not hearing about because there's no money in it for the newspaper or for mm. the TV. There's no payoff. No one cares about Indonesia, but they ought to. Mm. As you seek information, do you tend to go to one or two or three trusted sources and that's about it? Or are you with several dozen? How does it work for you? I think a few trusted sources because it's habit over time that you develop. And I also think an interesting point, piggybacking off of what you had said about seeking news out, I think that feeling of helplessness and powerlessness, we feel that. And that's reflected even in the voter turnouts that we see. People feel more disenfranchised, less engaged. And so I think part of that is the impact that news has had on us, but yeah. Hmm. Hazel, when I was growing up, the, uh, you know, we had a daily newspaper come to the house and you read the daily paper. That's how you got your news and you watch some TV news as well. How do you do it? Um, yeah, the bumping into news is definitely very accurate. And I, I would say that that is mainly how I got news growing up. Um, now I am a bit more, um, I, I try to actively seek out news, um, newsletters from journalists are very important. And then that's sort of filtered down through me to the people who follow me on TikTok. Now that's interesting. Uh, journalists who you seek out in their mm -hmm. newsletters, as opposed to say the Vancouver province or the New York times, or that you're, you're less about the mainstream media. Um, I definitely read the mainstream media, um, but I think generally my generation has a, a fairly healthy skepticism of just getting your news from mainstream media. So I try to diversify, especially because, you know, people listen to me. Gotcha. Paolo, how about for you? Well, uh, I think uh, it's time to be active and proactive in the way we engage with the media. So mm -hmm. this is a generational change. So we are all learning. When Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message, he also said and the user is the content. Mm. So we are entitled mm. to this kind of proactive uh, approach in the way we seek out for media, in the way we tend to customize the way we shape our own media diet. So it's, we are entitled, we are on charge, we are part of it. So the user is the content means that uh, we play a role, right? Instead of a passive role, we play, play an active role in the way we shape this um, uh, information environment. And so that means that uh, our, the new, new generations will be uh, responsible to really shape a new media ecology. Where uh, I'm optimistic in this. So the idea that uh, this proactive approach of my students uh, will make them more, uh, uh, again, responsible and uh, uh, helping them to lead the way we create our information environment. You know what was interesting just now? When you said the user is the content, I heard Hazel and Sue Ann and myself all go, hmm. 
because <laughs> nobody remembers the second part of that yes, statement. We remember right. the medium is the message, but the second part of the statement yeah. we don't remember, and and his profundity half a century later is still there, isn't it? Marshall Absolutely. And, uh, this is then it's called. Uh, uh, participatory culture, participatory culture. So we participate, we engage with, so we play, we play this active role. And this is part of the, the new mindset, the new attitude of the new generation with, the, uh, with social media and digital platforms. So uh, if, for, uh, if the TV, the computer was a screen or a window, so no pun intended, the cell phone is a world. Mm. The cell phone is a platform, a place within which they live. The cell phone is, a, is something that shapes entirely the operating system of this generation, <laughs> the operating system of the sensory life of this generation. That's why, well, uh, my students are not accustomed to read on paper, for instance, yes. right? Uh, which is like installing an old piece of software into a new operating system. It doesn't work, simply doesn't work. So Marshall McLuhan would put it uh, like uh, asking an eagle to swim. Right? So two different worlds. Yes. So that's why understanding the world, the environment, we call it media ecology, understanding the hyper-connected system that regulates right, the contemporary life is the perfect way to adjust, cope, and discover exploring the potentialities for the new generations. Well, I want to understand one aspect of this media ecology a little better. And again, I'm going back to Hazel on this because in spite of the numbers we put up earlier, I'm constantly surprised how many young people stop me in the streets and, and know about this show and watch it. And, and I want to get, I want to understand them better. What, what is the secret sauce to being a popular TikTok host as you are content creator, whatever you call it, and, and try to, I mean, I'll, we'll go back to the carbon tax. You, you did a riff there on a fairly complicated subject, which is how the carbon tax will affect Canadians and the taxes they pay and so on. What's the secret to, to doing that well? Hmm. Um, the way that I try to make my videos and why I think they're successful is because I try to explain things like I would to a friend. Um, so that is exactly how I would explain a carbon tax to, say, a friend saying, oh, I, I wish that there wasn't a carbon tax. I would explain it just like that, um, including the money gun joke. So <laughs> I think that uh, people sort of want authenticity um, from their creators. And at the risk of asking a stupid question, how do you know if it lands? Um <laughs> I mean, you have a very good idea if it lands because it either gets a bunch of views or it doesn't. Simple as that. Yeah. Right on. So, Anne, do you, I mean, again, we're a little bit old school, you and I. Do you, do. A little bit. Do. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be gentle here. Do you accept the inevitability that the way that we used to consume news ain't never coming back and it's a whole new universe and we better just suck it up and enjoy it? Absolutely, but I'm much less optimistic than Paolo about this mm -hmm. because what this, what his analysis, brilliant though it is, is leaving out is artificial intelligence and the ways that it can be used, money and bad foreign actors. Imagine someone of Hazel's talents working for a government that was hostile to us spreading misinformation. There are people like Hazel who are doing precisely that and there are gonna be a lot more of them. So yes, I'm, I, I have to accept it, but I'm very worried about it. How terrified are you about the new AI media universe we're about to jump into? 
Well, uh, this coming fall, I'm going to teach. Well, I will not be teaching the very first class entirely taught by AI. And so I like to experiment. I like to really uh, take uh, the next level. So to some extent, uh, in an age of AI, so rethinking the role of the educator, rethinking the role of the students. And so I think the key is AI literacy. So I'm not scared because uh, literacy, AI literacy in particular, can really make us explore, understand what uh, usually we fear what we don't know. Yeah. So our role as an education institution, a university, is to foster literacy about something that we don't know yet. Amen to more literacy. I want to thank the four of you for coming on to TVO tonight and sharing your views. Hazel Thayer, the Gen Z TikTok creator in Victoria, British Columbia. Nur Malik, the millennial working in a marketing and tech firm. Paolo Granata, St. Michael's College at the U of T, and Sue Ann Kelman, formerly at Ryerson University and a CBC producer and a boomer. And that's okay. Thank okay, you. Boomer? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. The Agenda with Steve Pakin is made possible through generous philanthropic contributions from viewers like you. Thank you for supporting TVO's journalism.